We're continuing in our study on the life of David. Our text will be in 1 Samuel chapter 24 and in Psalm 142 today. 1 Samuel 24, looking around a bit in Psalm 142 for our texts for today. For many years I repaired Pepsi machines, both in the plant and out in the field, it was easy enough to do. You tested the machine, you diagnosed the problem, then you replaced whatever wasn't working. Maybe a switch that cost a dollar, maybe a relay that might cost five dollars, or even a motor that might cost twenty dollars. Whatever it was, you replaced it for a few dollars and you're all done. And you could fix just about anything for a few dollars. But then things started to change. The, Pepsi machine manufacturers decided to put computer boards in the machines. And so when you went to diagnose the machine, you found there was something wrong with the computer board. Now I don't know what to do. I can't figure it out. I can't fix it. So you call the factory and they said, just change the computer board. Of course, the problem was that was $250. And so there I was. I don't know what to do. I can't fix it. Well, finally, I got stubborn and dug in a little. Because I believe there's something wrong with the timing on the board. I called the factory. They said, change the board. So I called somebody else. They said, it's the timing circuit. So finally, I got real pushy. And I called and I asked for the person who was programming the computer. And I got him. And he said... Oh, yeah, we got a problem with the programming. We'll send you something to reprogram the machine. Finally, somebody knew what to do. After 20 years, you fix everything, and all of a sudden, you can't fix anything. Nobody knows what to do. Well, somebody did know what to do. When I finally got through to that fella, we got the problem solved for about $2. Now, my friends, sometimes life is like that. Problems come. We used to be able to fix whatever came along. But then along comes a problem, and you just can't fix it. No matter what you try, you just don't know what to do. In our text today, a problem comes along, and as it unfolds, it's just one of those things you don't know what to do. Now, we've been following the life of a young shepherd boy named David, ignored by the world around him. He became a friend of God. And then in one minute, he went from unknown shepherd boy to a national hero. He killed a massive giant named Goliath. And the ladies were all singing, David has slain his 10,000 Philistines. So David came back a hero. But King Saul is jealous. He doesn't trust this young David and David was blessed by God, but we said Saul was abandoned by God. And so this comment is made about David. It says this, it came to pass uh, that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much set by. As David becomes more and more loved, because of his good behavior and his wisdom, Saul begins to hate the young boy. So Saul, falling down into one of his vile moods, 
tries to kill David by throwing a javelin at him. David moves quickly out of the way to avoid the spear. And a little later, Saul tries it again. And once again, David slips away unharmed. Now that's going to make anybody nervous, right? Two attempts on David's life. But Saul thinks, well, why don't I just let the Philistines kill him? Then I won't have to. So he says, David, I'll give you my daughter, Michael, to be your wife. And I want a dowry. And the dowry is a hundred dead Philistines. And so David goes to war when it comes, and he kills 200 Philistines. (laughs) Old Saul thinks, well, that didn't work. So finally, he gets a group of his men, and he says, we want you to go to David's house tonight. And he says to them, go into his house and kill him right in his bed. Well, David gets wind of the plot, climbs out the back window. This is outright murder attempt on David. And now he can't even go home. There's nothing left for him to do but escape. And so he runs out into the wilderness. Now, he's been a shepherd. He knows how to survive in the wilderness. And he finds a cave where at least he can hide out of sight. You see, my friends, when it was a giant, you could go out and kill him and get rid of him. He knew what to do then, but now it's the king. And David thinks, even when I do well and behave wisely, he still wants to kill me. I can't even go home. Try to kill me in my bed. I don't know what to do. It's that crisis that we come to in life. I don't know what to do. Then comes a wonderful moment. David is alone in a cave. And he prays a prayer. And then he turns his prayer into a song. Now, that prayer he prayed is Psalm 142. And I'm going to read it through with you. It's David's prayer in the cave. It's called Maskell, which means it's to instruct. David wants to teach us how to pray to God when you just don't know what to do. When your problem is bigger than you are, So let's see what happened in that cave when David prayed and see if we can learn what to do when all we can think is, I don't know what to do. Psalm 142, verse 1. I cried to the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. First in the dark cave he cries out loud and it echoes through the cave. Oh God, oh God. Help me. And in the dark cave, his voice echoes. And he organizes his thoughts into a request. He supplicates, it says, or expresses to God his request. Verse 2, I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him 
my trouble. Oh God, I behaved wisely. I killed the giant with your help. But now I'm running for my life. I'm hiding in a cave. And no matter what I do, King Saul wants to kill me. Verse 3, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path, and the way wherein I have walked, they privily laid a snare for me. It's overwhelming, he says. I, I, I don't know. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. Everything I do is a trap. And they're out to get me. But, he prays, but Lord, you do know my path. You know what I should do. I don't, but you do. Verse 4, I looked at my right hand, beheld, there was no man that would know me. My refuge failed me, and no man cared for my soul. Since I looked to my right hand where any friend should be, but I didn't have any friends. I didn't have a hiding place. No one took me in. No refuge. And nobody cared for my soul. My most precious possession is my soul. And nobody cares if I live or die. Verse 5. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. But I do have a refuge, God. It's you. I do have a place where I can live and not die. And God, you know that way. You know where that is. Verse 6. Tend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I am. He says, I'm outnumbered. Help me. Hear my prayer. Verse 7. Bring my soul out of prison that I might praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, but thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Take me out of this prison, he says, and I believe three things, God. There's three things I believe. Number one, I will praise your name. Number two, good people will come to my aid and gather around me. And number three, you will reward me, you will bless me, and life will turn out. Well, my friends, there it is. There's the instruction. Tell God what your problem may be. Tell him that you feel alone and tell him you can't handle this. Can't handle this one. And then believe that people will support you and that God will bless you. And in the end, when it's all resolved, I'll be thanking God and praising his name for his benefits towards me. Let me ask you this morning, can you do both those things in one prayer? Can you tell God the problem, number one, and then have faith? To believe, number two, all in the same prayer. David complains and thanks God all at once because he's confident that God will hear and will help. Blessed is the person, my friends, who prays both prayers together, complaint and confidence. David prayed and believed in God. 
and made it into a song to instruct us. So we learn how to pray when we don't know what to do. And then something happened. I'm in 1 Samuel 22. In the first verse, here's what happened. 1 Samuel 22. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Dullam. And when his brother and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented, gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. There it is. There it is. David's prayer answered. What did he say? He said, good people will come and gather around me when he prayed alone in the cave. Out in the wilderness in that big cave, David now has 400 men who have come to him. Men who were in trouble or in debt or discontented said, we want to join David. He always was wise. And David will turn those 400 men into one of the greatest fighting forces that the world has ever known. Like an ancient Robin Hood. David now has a force of men that he commands. God's answered his prayer. Surrounded him with righteous people. So now we go to a major event in David's life. 1 Samuel chapter number 24. Verse 2. Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. He came to the sheep goats by the way, and there was a cave. And Saul went in to cover his feet. And David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. Now Saul is on a manhunt for David. And he picks 3,000 of his best soldiers and goes out to find David. And tired out, Saul decides to take a nap. So he goes to this cave, lays down just inside the cave, and falls asleep. David and his men are in the back of the cave. Verse 4. The men of David said unto him, Behold, the day which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thy hand, that thou mayest do to him as seem good unto thee. Here it is, David. This is the day we've been waiting for. He's sleeping right there. And we can be done. This can be over. Let's see what happens. And David arose, cut off the skirt off of Saul's robe privily. And it came to pass afterwards that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to rise against Saul. And Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way. So David goes while he's sleeping and cuts the fringe 
off the end of his robe. And then it said his conscience bothered him. Yes, Saul wants to kill me, but I don't want to kill him. Especially due to the fact that he is the king of Israel because he was anointed by God, chosen by God to be king. God chose Saul to be king. Yes, Saul has abandoned God. Yes, Saul disobeys over and over and over. Yes, he's turned into a raging maniac. Yes, but God made Saul king. It's not my job to lay a hand on him. I will not harm the Lord's anointed. My friends, David has a quality that most people don't have. He can influence people for good. He influenced Jonathan to make a lifelong contract with him. He influenced people who were troubled and desperate to join him in the wilderness. And now he influences those men to spare King Saul. The man who knows God and loves God like David can have influence over others. Not for the sake of power, never that. But to influence their hearts to do right. King Saul is sleeping at the mouth of the cave. One swipe with a sword, and this is over. No more running and hiding. We all go home. But no. King Saul lives, and we have a clear conscience. If Saul needs taking down God will do it. Verse number 8. David's also robe afterwards and went out of the cave. Cried after Saul saying, My Lord the King. When Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed himself. And David said to Saul, Wherefore hearest thou men's words? Saying, Behold, David seeketh thy hurt. Behold, this day thine eyes have seen how the Lord has delivered thee into my hand in the cave. And some bade me kill thee. But mine eyes spared thee, and I said, I will not put forth my hand against the Lord, my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see ye the skirt of thy robe in my hand, for I cut it off the skirt of thy robe, and kill thee not. Know thou and see that there is neither evil nor transgression in my hand. I have not sinned against thee, yet thou huntest my soul to take it. Old Saul looked down at his robe (laughs) and the fringe is gone. It's up there in David's hand. And he said, Is that you, David? Quite a fella. Verse number 20. Now behold... I know well that thou shalt be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in thine hand. Swear now therefore unto me by the Lord that thou wilt not cut off my seed after me, that will not destroy my name out of my father's house. And David swore unto Saul, and Saul went home. But David and his men got them up into the hole. So Saul goes home. David goes back to the cave. I thought they had an agreement. David doesn't trust Saul. David's prayer, you see, is now half answered. 
He now is surrounded with righteous men, men who believe like David, who do not want blood on their hands. But the second half has yet to be answered. The second half was for God to deal bountifully with David. But instead, David has returned to the cave to wait patiently. God's blessings are given to the patient ones who will wait for God's timing. So we learn from David to pray when we don't know what to do, to believe and have confidence that God will answer our prayers, and then God will help. Because as David told God, I don't know what path to take, but you do. You know the way, you know the path that I need to take. So I trust you to lead me and guide me down that path. I will try to make wise choices, and I will wait for you to open the door. So the secret of getting through life's troubles, especially when you don't know what to do, is to pray. Pray to God. The old song, we've sung it a million times. We've sung it over and over. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Tell him your complaint and be confident. He does know what to do in your situation. David goes from all alone in a cave to leading 400 men, a direct answer to his prayer. But then there's a test. Test, it's really a test. Saul is sleeping in the mouth of the cave. Kill him and be king today. Or... Keep a clear conscience and be patient and wait for God's blessing. Many times the quick solution is wrong. If God knows what to do, if God knows your pathway, and he does, wait for him to reveal it. God doesn't half answer prayers. He does have a solution. Can you go back to the cave And wait for it. May you learn to pray like David. May you be patient for an answer. Don't be fooled by quick solutions. David passed God's test and spared Saul's life. Does God have a test for you? Will you do the right thing? Now this, any time you go against God's will, it will be wrong. David spared God God because Saul was God's anointed. David spared Saul because Saul was his anointed. Whatever God's will is for you, don't ever go against it. May God bless you as you wait for him to lead you. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the wisdom in these passages, for David's great heart, as he will not do wrong at any time. 
We ask that we would be like him. We would learn from him to pray and get help from God and then to pray with confidence and wait for the answer. Bless us, Lord, as we learn from David how to live when times are difficult. Make us wise to choose and know that you have a path for us to take. And we tell you today, we want to go down that path. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. In closing, I'd like you to turn your hymn books to hymn number 331. Standing as we sing, if you will, hymn number 331, Children of the Heavenly Father. Standing as we sing, 331, Children of the Heavenly Father. Page 331. come to you sometimes we are at the end of what we know how to do we have tried and we have done all that we can do and yet we do not have a solution so we pray at this time that we would think of our prayer life that we would come to you and ask for solution that we would come and bring all the things we have even to complain about before you and yet know in that same moment that we can have faith and trust in who you are, that you will bring this to a solution. You will uh, walk us through and not leave us alone. Help us to have the patience to wait through those things, to wait in the cave until our prayers are answered, to keep coming back to you, to know that you will bring these things, bring it about, we are thankful for answered prayers and those that are yet to be answered. We just pray that you'd help our hearts to grow in faith and just to trust in you and know that your promises are good. 
Watch over us, we pray, and protect us. Bring us all safely back to this place. Be with those who are not here this day and bless them and help them. We are grateful for this time we can have and that we can always trust in you. In your name.